Someone okay. did. She's She's got to get going, so let's go. He's trying to get rid of me. Well, you got to start it all the way over now, so may mm-hmm. as well count down again because yep. I erased everything. Okay. All right. Five, four, three, two, one. Hi, this is Michael Eastick from Melbourne, Australia, dealer in Australian British Commonwealth. I'd like to say hi to all you people that listen to Stamp Show here today. Look at them, madam. Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. This is the gentle art of philately, otherwise known as stamp collecting. Here's a pile of stamps carefully culled from swap meets and garage sales. Rufus, what are you thinking of? Oh, I was just thinking of all the years I've wasted collecting stamps. Oh, like stamp collecting. Now, that's all right. That's quite a nice hobby, that. Yes, but it's not enough. Don't you understand? I'm lonely. I'm so terribly lonely. All right, Homer. You beat those stamp Nazis with good old-fashioned American complaining. Homer, if it weren't for you, we'd be at the mercy of weekend philatelists. You know, why didn't you just say stamp collectors? Because I'm tired of dumbing myself down for you. I I mean, I have to say, when when I heard that like people actually watch this show, I was I was actually pretty surprised. I'm Ernest Borgnine. I collect stamps. From Spain and two from Japan. I got a couple from Israel and Azerbaijan. I got a planet from Poland, but none from Sudan. Stamp collecting happens when we dream together. Welcome to Stamp Show here today, episode 94. Now with one third less calories than our previous podcast. I'm Cash. Uh, I saw a chameleon today, so I'm guessing it wasn't a very good one. I'm Scott. This is Tom. No wiener dog joke this time. You had your chance. Oh, <laughs> disappointed. Not so much. And I'm your host, Dawn, the queen of the nerds. Seriously, it it says so on my crown. We are back from Suscal and ready to do some viral stamp collecting, so take your Theraflu because we have some stamp stories. This week, we will be discussing Mad Magazine parody postage stamps, Cash's corrections, including a preview of 2017 stamps from the post office, and more Suscal. This sounds like a good episode. I think I'm going to listen to this one this time. How dare you. Nazi. Hey, sometimes they're pretty good. (laughs) So, this day in history, 1907, 109 years ago today, McKinley was interred. He was killed at the Buffalo's... <laughs> the Buffalo's killed him. <laughs> he was killed by Buffalo. It's a buffalo. stampede, I tell yeah. you. <laughs> he was killed by Buffalo. He was assassinated by Buffalo. Okay, let's try that again. <clears throat> he was killed at the Buffalo World's Fair in 1901. Um, what took so long to inter him? Yeah, he was uh, laying around for six years before he was placed in his tomb. Mm -hmm. Sitting in state. Sitting in state. Laying in state. (laughs) Well, I guess they didn't have a tomb pre-prepared for him because they, you know, kind of came up on him by surprise. Yeah. Like Tends to happen with assassinations. Yep. Mm -hmm. It is interesting that the assassin never defended himself and was executed after a short trial. At his execution, he said that he wasn't sorry. This guy was electrocuted and then drenched in sulfuric acid and then buried. So he was electrocuted and then dissolved for his crimes. So he wasn't absolved of his crimes. He was just dissolved. Mm -hmm. You know, 
If that's the case, I mean, if he was electrocuted and then drenched in sulfuric acid, what was left to bury? Foam. Yeah. <laughs> Not pretty much, yeah. Goo. Yeah, just... Uh, <laughs> so much cherry jello. Ooh. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. <laughs> well, you have a lot of... Uh, I, I, I don't think... I don't. You think. have a lot of people complaining about cruel and unusual punishment today. And I mean that to me is quite painful. Well, as, he was dead ex- first, as an execution should be. Well, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Now McKinley had many accomplishments, including leading the country through the Spanish-American War. McKinley first appeared on the 1904 Five Cent Louisiana Purchase issue, as well as the President series. Most will know his face from the Black Seven Cent Stamp of 1923. Seventeen cent stamp. Is it? Seven cent. Seven cent stamp. Yeah. And he was on uh, the five cent Louisiana Purchase stamp, even though he had absolutely nothing to do with the Louisiana Purchase. So, listener emails. We get emails at Stamp Show here today, so summon the answer squad. From Anonymous. Thank you very much for going through my stamp pictures so fast. If you don't mind me asking, what is a signed stamp? And is this one? I'm getting different answers. What's a signed stamp? Is that like you, like an autographed stamp, or like literally a signed stamp? Well, that could be. It also could be a revenue stamp, where the signature was the proper way to uh, show usage. Well, no, this was on the back of the stamp. This was a expertizing mark. Ah. So why don't you tell them about the history of expertizing? Well... Our expert. (laughs) (laughs) Or expertizing marks. Well, expertizing marks have been used... uh, They started in Europe, uh, although they do appear in American philately as well. There are always certain people who are turned to as experts in the field because they've studied, researched, and just generally know it all. And when people turn to you and say... I want your opinion, that's kind of when you become an expert. In Europe, they've organized uh, a body, they have an overseeing body, and you actually get a certificate, like a graduation diploma, uh, into being uh, an expert in a certain area. And you are only allowed to expertise those things that you are certified to expertise. And there are certain requirements, Um, you have to pass tests, to reach that. Over here in America, we don't have that sort of overseeing body, but it has typically been leading collectors and major dealers that have handled rare pieces and have had the experience over years of looking at these items that are uh, turned to when the question of authenticity occurs. And in some cases, it just happens to be fortuitous that you happen to be there when something is either created or discovered and so in some cases it's those signatures and in some cases it's an expert signature but those things they can be in pencil they can be in ink they can be hand stamps and in Europe even the position of the mark can tell you something about the experts opinion so these are very important things, and you really don't want to erase them until you've asked somebody who might know. 
Yeah, this is also... Uh, I mean, you wouldn't buy a Rembrandt without making sure it's real. Or yeah. you wouldn't buy, you know, something like that. So expert marks, expert opinions are part of the collecting hobby. Well, more than that, though. This is uh, old-timey stuff. This is uh, antique ways that they used to expertise because now you can print a cert. You don't have to disfigure the stamp. So in the olden days, they didn't have computers and printers and stuff, so they would sign the back of the stamp. But the other thing important about it is they only signed it for authenticity. They couldn't put anything else on the cert. Well, that is partly true. Uh, like I was saying, the position and orientation of an expert's mark can indicate whether they think it is reperforated or regummed or something like that. And so being aware of the conventions that are used can tell you what the expert opinion might have been. So a small opinion in the lower left-hand corner at a 45-degree angle might mean that it was reperfed? It might. And if that same mark is inverted, it might... I mean, it would tell you which side. It would tell you thing, all sorts of things like that, yeah. I think I'd rather just have a cert that says it. Well, yeah, but in Europe, that's the way they do it. Americans, of course, were different, and we like our stamps absolutely pristine with no marks on the back. And so expert certificates have kind of supplanted the expert markings on the stamp. I mean, what if, in the rare instance, an expert makes a mistake? We all are human, and we can make mistakes. Usually it occurs in calling something genuine that's fake. But what, what in the event, if the opinion is fake and new evidence comes to light proving that it's genuine, now what do you do if the stamp is already marked? That can be part of the lore, and so those things would be collected that way. And that would be one of the ways that you could tell that it is genuine because it's marked fake. Or, you know, maybe you just don't want to collect it that way because, oops, the guy made a mistake and I want a different copy. So uh, there can be many different ways that the expert could be, could be wrong. Although generally uh, an expert opinion is fairly sound. Next. What wow. happened? <laughs> what happened? <clears throat> Allergies. Next, from Facebook, Maxim Kostenko. I love your podcast, guys. What's the best way to contact you? Stamp show here today at gmail.com. Stamp show here today on Facebook. Yeah, this we got like four messages on Facebook uh, this week. But uh, email is probably better because it's frequently checked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas Facebook is monitored, but we can miss things, especially if a bunch of things get posted. Right. And we're trying to be more active on Twitter than we are. But Also from Facebook, Megan Mal- Malady. Malady? Malady. 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 I'll go with that. Hello, how are you doing? I used to collect stamps as a child and just stopped all of a sudden. I'm sure they are not worth anything, but I would like to find out more about what I can do with them. I don't have a great deal of them or any, anything as I can even remember the last stamp I collected. I just found my stash the other day while I was cleaning out an old cupboard. Thank you. Well, rare stamps tend to be rare and cheap stamps tend to be common. So you know that. But 
anybody can send a picture of whatever they have to uh, stamp show here today and you know we'll take a look at it you know don't don't hold your breath that you're going to buy a European vacation but maybe you have enough to buy yourself a Big Mac Generally, the rule of thumb is if you or the person collecting didn't spend a lot of money on collecting, then the collection is likely not going to be worth uh, monetarily worth uh, very much. But if you don't know, say you inherited a collection or something like that, then it's always worth getting checked out. Another from Facebook, John Curley from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Love the show. I've been listening since show episode 40, and I look forward to each episode. As far as topics go, I would love to hear you discuss different album types and which kind of album each of you prefer to use. Oh. Well, that's a fun topic. Yeah. There are many different types of albums, yeah. and it depends on what country you're collecting, too. Well, I just, uh, this was going to be one of my purchases that I was going to talk about from Sescal, uh, but I just got a uh, Lighthouse Hingeless. U.S. album. Those are nice, but they are kind of expensive. Well, I got, you see, that's the thing. I bought mine, you let's bought say, used. Hand. I, I yeah. bought it used, yeah. Yeah. Well, and we're talking about new prices if you're going to Ooh. buy a new price. Uh, this one's like Lighthouse. $250 new, and I think I paid like 30 bucks that's for it used. That's per volume. Per, yeah. Well, I only get the first volume. But um, a less expensive way to go if you still want to go hingeless. There, there's a couple different ways. You can go with a national album and put your own hint, uh, mounts in it. Or you can go with uh, a Mystic album. Uh, the quality is a little, little bit less. The sizes of the pages are slightly smaller than the Lighthouse. But they are good quality. The mounts are in there. There's space for all the stamps. Oh, I like the Lighthouse Mystic album. A, Mystic is a good alternative. Plus it's 8.5 by 11, so there's a lot right. of choices for binders. Yes, you don't yes. have to buy their binders. You can just buy the pages. So that's another plus. Uh, like I said, the National album is good for an intermediate to an advanced collector. You can put your own mounts in it. You can use hinges, whichever you prefer. Uh, a good beginner album uh, beginner to intermediate would be the like the Minuteman album or a Liberty album. Those are good intermediate pa uh, paged albums. We're talking strictly U.S. here. Um, yeah, my recommendation is if you can afford it, stay away from double-sided pages, yes. wh which yeah. the, these yeah. lesser albums do have. If, if you're giving it as a gift, obviously it depends on the level of your collecting. If you're in the intermediate to advanced range, you definitely don't want to go with a, a Minuteman or a Liberty because they are double-sided. Well, that's the beginners. Uh, right. Beginner, you want to have as many stamp pictures in there as possible. Right. But And then you end up having to buy a bunch of interleavings to uh, keep the stamps apart from each other yes, so they that, don't destroy each other. That is an option if you do get a double-sided page uh, would be to buy some glassine interleaving and it, it takes a little bit of effort you punch the holes and you got to stick it in between every single page otherwise the stamps fight each other the stamps on opposite pages the perforations tend to grab each other and they wrestle and they can damage get damaged so definitely something to consider they bite and they tackle each other now on, on the worldwide side you have the Master Global album. Yeah, but that's the same. Uh, that again is has a lot of spaces for a lot of stamps, but you need the interleaving. It's two sided pages, and you're going to want interleaving. Because heaven forbid you have like uh, People's Republic of China and Republic of China facing each other. 
<laughs> They're going to be beating each other up. Well, because you know what happens when you close the album. My, aren't we touchy today? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you collect uh, Ireland, right? I've been dabbling in it. I haven't gotten yeah. a whole lot yet. Do you have a Do you have a album for it? I have no albums. Everything I have right now is I've been storing them in stock books. Generally uh, speaking, that's what I do too, except that I did get this Hingeless album. Scott does have specialty albums for many countries. Those are kind of like the national album, but for other countries. And they call it their specialty series. And so Don, like, you, you found uh, what album to hold all your dragon stamps? The dragon album of who, who printed that? I use a stock book. Oh, okay. I, I do know that there's a Disney album. There are. Oh, really? Yes. Oh. Um, there are other things. Uh, when I was collecting the Philippines early on, I found some album that was made over in the Philippines, and it was a good single-sided, full pa- full album, and just the pages were over an inch thick. Mm. Uh, so it was a definitely a, a comprehensive album. The, they, pa- the pages were an inch thick? Yeah, the stack of pages was over an inch thick. Oh, a stack of pages. Yeah, stack. I thought they were like made out of like one by sixes or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, holy crap, that's not paper. No, and, and this was 20... They were bricks of wood. Yeah. You, this, was over 20, like, this was over 20 years ago. So um, there are uh, album companies that print albums that are not here in the United States, but they do uh, take a little bit of research to find. And the only other one I can think of off the top of my head is the Palo album. And Palo puts out full color. All They image all of the stamps in the album, and they're all in full color. So, Aren't there places you can go online now if you want to like print your own album pages too? There like is, you can print custom album pages so you don't is, have I to think buy. I think it's stampalbums.com, I think. Uh, and they have comprehensive worldwide album pages that you can yeah i'm, go, I'm going either, through that right now you can either pay a fee and get the get just access to everything mm. or they will let you test download a couple of pages actually i'm using word but i was also told to use uh indesign because i'm i'm totally remounting my uh exhibit after going to a seminar with a uh, shout out Gordon Eubanks and also uh, Mark Schwartz. Great, great, great seminar. That was at Sescal. But now I have to uh, redo my exhibit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. See, got to pay attention to these guys. Yeah. So we have a special person here today. I'd like to introduce her. She's the new awards chairman for Sescal. So Don, how did... Uh, being a major high-ranking officer in the halls of philately hit you. Work, work, work. Oh, yes. It's definitely work. You know, it was it was fun. Um, met some really awesome people. You know, the, the other chairs are great. Um, the banquet was fun, wasn't it? That was fun, yes. Yeah. And, uh, oh, it was wonderful. I... I At a loss for words. I am a loss wow, for words. Wow, it must have been that good. Yeah. Hold on, hold on, hold on. So, and this was my first time as, as a chair, and uh, I really want to give a shout-out to John Weigel and Lois Evans, who kind of uh, helped me through my first time. Mm-hmm. Thanks, guys. So if this was your first time as a chair next year, you're going to go back and see if you can be a sofa? I'm working for table. Oh, nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well played. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> 
So, well, talking about Seskel, so what'd you guys get at Seskel? What'd you buy? Work. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't, I wasn't at the show. I, uh, was working on Friday and working in the office expertizing stuff. We picked up at the show on Saturday and my, uh, lovely daughters and wife demanded my attention on Sunday, so I didn't make it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I got my, uh, Hingeless album that I just told you about. I worked, uh. Well, I split my time between the show and the office on Friday and Saturday because I was here with Tom working. But uh, on Sunday, I just kind of hung out. I did have a seminar. I gave a seminar on expertising on Friday afternoon. Yes. And that seemed to be well-received, if not well-attended. I was there. Yes, you were. And uh, I bought a lot of France. Mm-hmm. Why, you're getting into France now? Yearly stuff or back of the book or what? Yeah. Which part? Oh, okay. Burgundy? Burgundy. No. Normandy? No, Normandy. Champagne. No. Well, if you're gonna buy a, if you're gonna buy a lot in France, that's a nice that's Mer- place to go. A nice Merlot. A Cabernet Sauvignon. Well. Anyway. So Don, what did you get? I didn't get dragons. Oh I know, huh? But I got some stunning china sheets from my favorite dragon stamp dealer, Marcel. Hey, shout out to Marcel. Oh, yeah. Oh, and Sean was there. He uh, he bought two railroad perfing covers because he was working at the show. And he manned the table and went around. Troy was there, too. He he worked for tips. And, and candy. And candy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, both my kids worked. And uh, one of them brought home the cash. And the other one spent it on his... A railroad exhibit and there were four kids there who put exhibits in so now he's very much he, he sees what he can do so he'll be at the next Sescal exhibiting his uh, railroad perfins on cover nice now it's time for hashtag stamp stories mad magazine So if you've been living under a rock or are less than 15 years old, MAD is an American humor magazine that started in 1952. It was printed first as a comic book, but later became a magazine. It was widely imitated and influential, affecting the cultural landscape of the 20th century. It had a readership of more than 2 million during its 1974 circulation peak. MAD has published over 540 issues. Mad Magazine did satire on all aspects of life and popular culture, politics, entertainment, and public figures, and stamp collecting. Yes. Yeah. How many, how many issues have they had stamps in? Five? Six? Oh, yeah. Something like that? Where they actually put a sheet of stamps in the page. In well, the they only did the that once. And no. I have a funny feeling that it was because the post office got down on it. Well, they only parodied stamps once. They actually had stamp labels in many different issues but they only parodied actual postage stamps once in its more trash issue in 1964 mad magazine made parody stamps that are still sought after today from alfred e newman for president which can be found on covers used for actual postage to the dag hammerskold parody stamp showing a crying leonard sherman there are many stamps to me collected yeah the dag hammerskold uh parody stamp that was at the APS stamp show in Portland they uh, 
had the actual sheet and things, and it's a kind of interesting story. Uh, well, why don't you? The APS actually owns that sheet. It was the discovery sheet, and what caused the Postal Service to actually make the decision to print an entire print run of this stamp with the yellow color inverted. Yep. And basically causing the the value of the invert to drop drastically unless you can prove that it was purchased prior to the issuance of the inverted stamp. Well, there was only one sheet. There was only one sheet found. And if there were more, then they'd just all disappear in. There have been a few first day covers that were found. Mm. And I believe they're on Artcraft unaddressed uh, envelopes. Artcraft cached unaddressed envelopes. But there are very, very few of them. Didn't the catalog at one point have a thing in there that said, you know, how far the directions of the the yellow being off was so you could actually measure them and see if they were the real thing versus the reprint? That I have not. I've never heard of that. I've not read about that. I do know that the first day covers have been faked. Yeah. Where original three uh, original normal Dag Hammarskjöld stamps have been removed and replaced with the actual reissue with the inverted yellow, not the error yellow. So I do know that those fakes are something you need to watch out for. Okay, so this is known as the Day's Folly after Postmaster General J. Edward Day, who ordered the intentional reprinting of the yellow inverted commenting. The post office department is not running a jackpot operation. Well, yeah, it is, because that's what collectors look for. Exactly, (laughs) right? The stamp reprint was, in effect, a deliberate error produced by the post office department to avoid creating a rarity. It was decided to reprint 40 million of the inverted stamps after the discovery of the error, so there would be no rarity factor in the inverted stamp and to prevent people profiting from postal services mistakes. The error stamp has the white, uh, the yellow inverted and on the side where it shows a picture of Dag Hammarskjöld uh, there's some white and that's on the wrong side of the stamp but the interesting one is the uh, Mad Magazine stamp and it says honoring Leonard Sherman stamp collector who found the Dag Hammarskjöld off-register commemorative sheet and got shafted by the U.S. government when it printed millions more oh absolutely yeah (laughs) I mean, that, that was just the wrong thing to do. Now, we're, we're talking about the reprinted error. There are different varieties of the error that you can collect because the ones on the left side of the sheet and the ones on the right side of the sheet have different... They look different because of having or not having another stamp next to them causing bleed over of the yellow, the inverted yellow background. Yeah, but with 40 million of them printed. Well, uh, I'm not saying they're rare. I'm just <laughs> saying they're varieties to collect, so not everyone is going to look the same. So then why didn't they just go out and reprint a whole bunch of C3As at the time? Yeah, that's what you, that <laughs> would be a different Postmaster General. Yeah, clearly uh, they, this, they sent this the Postal Inspection was... Service after William Roby to get it back, even though that would have been the illegal because he did purchase it legally over the post office right. counter. They tried to take it from him. Well, they tried to take the blue papers away. and They've it, tried to take a lot of things away. Yeah. And th- this one, they just said, well, we can't take it away, so damn it, we'll crash the market. Absolutely. 
They tried to do that also with the Canal Zone stamp where they misprinted and didn't print the Silver Bridge. Mm -hmm. They tried to do that as well, but there was such an outcry from stamp collectors that they ended up not doing it. Yeah. And so the error was remains rare. Leonard Sherman. God. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Leonard Sherman, who had found the sheet, had a sheet autographed by, well, everyone. Now you're back to expert signatures. Mm -hmm. these no. were These were just philatelic luminaries of the day. Well, there was the post or the uh, Boy Scout leader. A Boy Scout leader signed it. I mean, a lot of people signed this thing who were not mm. experts. Right. But they were, they had some, some sort of stature in his mind. Yeah. And you can see, I didn't know that the APS owned it. That's Yes, they do. So that's why it shows up he, there. He actually donated it to the APS. Oh, yeah, because it ha probably has a huge amount of value as long as you take it as that sheet versus right. one of the 40 million. Right, and being a, now being a unique sheet with mm -hmm. all of the signatures, right. if you broke it up, you couldn't tell a single stamp from it. But you, you would get certificates for each you, one, you just would, like... Right, you would have to break it in the presence of an expert, yeah. and they would have to certify the provenance. So it could be done, but, I mean, it's kind of cool to have the story and have the whole sheet. Right, it's, mm -hmm. a, it's a cool factor, but you're never going to be able to differentiate it. It's sort of like uh, what we did with the park sets. We got some original Ickes stamps well, that they caused were, the entire They follies. were signed by Harold Ickes. Yeah and thereby proving that they were issued before the mm -hmm. imperforate stamps. They were the original were, ones that caused all the problem. Right. But other than having a neat story behind them, they really don't have a great deal of value. Right. As a follow-up, gosh, what is wrong with me? Why problem make when you <laughs> no problem have, you don't want to make? I think I have something that's affecting my sinuses and like no. furball. As a follow-up to a few weeks ago, one stamp in the Mad Set shows a postman dumping a bunch of mail in the gutter. It is a Christmas stamp, by the way. Yep. In 1962, they had the same problem that they had uh, a they, couple weeks ago. You mean that they have every year at Christmas time? Yeah. <laughs> when everybody sends a card to everybody they know, and so the post office gets inundated with mail. Well, this is another <laughs> one. It's the same thing with the... Uh, uh, the Leonard Sherman stamp, it has uh, November 13, 1962, and the 13 sort of looks like the value. This one has the 24th of December, and the 24 is nice and big, and it looks like a value. And I'm, I was originally wondering, because all these stamps have a number that looks like a value. And did somebody go after them or anything like that? Did the post office say these things look way, way too close to stamps? I don't think so. Well, like uh, if you pull up on eBay, one of the famous ones is uh, Walt Disney's Big Break. And it shows a five, what is that? Five, fifth of January. So it has a five. And then it has a mouse caught in a mousetrap that looks like Mickey Mouse. And he's going, ah, oh, I got an idea here. So, you know, these look like stamps. And if you didn't read the number, what was after it, um, you would think that those are value. And I've seen quite a few of these, especially the Alfred E. Newman, actually used on letters. Well, and it's just, you can tell it's a, it's a very purposeful thing because looking at this picture we have and you'd have to go and 
look them up if you want to see them. But um, it says uh, there's a Mother's Day one, and it's a cartoon of a woman getting hit in the back of the head by a rolling pin, <laughs> of all things. Well, and it said founded on founded May twelfth, eighteen seventy two. But the, the two of 1872 is like 12 times the size mm-hmm. of the rest of the lettering. Well, the stamp right below it's for Father's Day. It's basically the exact same thing. Uh-huh. Well, that's it's funny. You're 1910. right. 1910. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, then, and they did the same thing. The 10 of 1910 is huge. Mm-hmm. Well, I like the one with the Mona Lisa wearing the bra, and it has 36C. C is in parentheses. C is mm-hmm. in parentheses for the size of the bra instead of cents. Yeah, they did get, uh, I did look it up, and they did get sued, but they got sued by uh, Irving Berlin and Cole Porter for making parody songs. And they actually won the lawsuits, and they really sort of started the whole uh, free use for parody. This is These were like uh, groundbreaking lawsuits. So Mad Magazine did that along with these parody stamps. In 1992, they made another stamp set, but these were not perforated or gummed. They were just pictures. Yeah, these are one of the ones that I think, uh, Scott, you were commenting on because it shows all the stamps, but they're not actually stamps. They're pictures of stamps. Right. Yeah. So. Well, but those ones also actually have, like, cent signs on them and stuff and dollar signs. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that they got away with a whole lot more showing pictures than actually printing the stamps. By the way... Mad began as a comic book, but the comic book converted to magazine format as of issue number 24, 1955. This move had removed Mad from the rules of the Comics Code Authority. Mad was sold in the early 1960s to the Kinney Parking Company, which also acquired DC Comics and Warner Brothers. Cash, do you know why it was important what the Comics Code of, of Authority? Oh, you, go ahead. What? what I, I don't know. Do you know what that entailed and yeah. why they moved to the magazine format well, to avoid that? Yeah, they avoided it because the code of conduct was, it, it was basically censorship. They thought that comic books were getting too racy and too violent, which arguably, you know, in the 1950s, you could look at it and say, yeah, I guess that is kind of racy and violent for the 1950s. It's nothing for today, obviously. But the... Um, the violence, the, the, you know, if you look at uh, some of the superheroes from back then compared to today, they were very muted, let's say, in what they could say and what they could do. And it was all because of this censorship rule. When uh, Mad Magazine, uh, which was doing parodies, uh, they ran afoul of it and they finally said, you know, we're out of here. Uh, they actually had their editor say, I was going to, he was going to quit if they didn't convert to a magazine because he he just couldn't put up with it. And now for Cash's corrections. I was just going to say something when she said that. (laughs) That's what I was like. "Ah." (laughs) Well, I can redo that. Actually, I was, I was looking it up while we were talking about it. And the, uh, the comics code authority was formed in 1954 as an alternative to government regulation. Oh, they all were. Yeah. It, so they could avoid. It was the same thing with the movies. You know, we'll regulate ourselves. And then, of course, it's, you know, the PG and R and all those ratings today, the NC-17s and stuff, it's all stupid and negotiated. So, you know, 
if anybody wants to hear about it, go listen to some of the Kevin Smith diatribes on it. Marvel Comics abandoned it in 2001. Yeah. Mm. Well, I'm sure that uh, when uh, Deadpool hit the stands, they had to because he totally would break every single rule of this uh, committee. And of course, today, you know, you bring up censorship and nobody is interested in censoring today. And now for Cash's Corrections. Cash. of all to everybody who was at Sescal. Uh, we met several of our podcast listeners and also people from Facebook and the blog site Stamp Boards. Uh, we enjoyed meeting all of you and thank you very much for stopping by and saying hi. Second, to subscribe to, if you remember a couple episodes, the newsletter 100J. The email is L-I-E-B-E-R-R-A at comcast.net. I said .com, and I thought, who cares? Well, actually, if you type in .com, uh, you get it bounced back. So uh, I'm sorry. Uh, hopefully, Ray will uh, get the new people who put a net in or a com instead of a net, and I am sorry for my mistake. Third, did you ever wonder why a milking stool has three legs? Because the cow has the udder. Ah, I thought that one was good. <laughs> Keep thinking. Yeah, yeah. You thought. <laughs> if you're eight years old. <laughs> Four look, look out, there goes Cash thinking again. <laughs> Fourth, the Stanley Gibbons share price is up to 13.23 pence. Bye, 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 bye. bye. Mm -hmm. And lastly, we have uh, we went on the website and the APS and the post office have put up a couple pictures of their 2017 stamps that they're bringing out. Some of them anyway. Mm -hmm. Some of them. Well, let's see. They have a love stamp where there's a jet like sky riding the word love. I sort of like that one. The chicken stamp is cheesy. But is it an airmail stamp? Yeah. Well, actually, I wonder if that would be confused with airmail stamps if uh, you send it overseas. Because it does have an airplane on it. The chicken stamp does Lunar New Year. It's but not it, cheesy. But it doesn't say and it doesn't say airmail on it, though. And then they have a National Museum of African American History and Culture. Uh, I want to see the National Museum of Polish American History and Culture, and then I'll comment on this stamp. Well, I have to say, I don't know about the stamp in general, but if that's the building, that's pretty cool architecture. It's a cool-looking building. Yeah, that is a huge building. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of curious what's in it. I'd move in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then you have uh, the WPA poster group, which uh, wasn't the WPA found to be uh, unconstitutional? Am I correct there? No. I don't, th I don't think so. It basically is how FDR put America back to work. Right. Well, yeah. Supposedly. And then uh, 
Tom, your your daughter's going to like that the next one. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Sharks, sharks. Yeah. Five really really nicely pi- nice pictures of sharks. Yeah, those are nice. And then of course we have an American flag. Then we have uh, Father Theodore Hesborough, who Hesburg Hesburg. He's uh, I f- in Notre Dame. He started Notre Dame, I think. Anyway, somebody else who probably doesn't deserve There's no indication on the stamp art that tells you why he's being honored. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is a problem. So, I uh, mean, you, you honor somebody, you have to kind of, especially if he's not well known in the general, uh, by the general public, you got to have some indication of what he is on a stamp for. Yeah, like they had the uh, school teacher and he was pointing to a chalkboard with math stuff on it and go, oh, that's a school teacher. Okay. This is just a priest standing in front of some trees. And the Capitol building uh, in I, the distance. Yeah. I think maybe that's like the Notre Dame arch or something. But if you don't know that, and I wouldn't know it if I didn't have to read this, uh, you know. Then they have some flowers. Uh, no fruit. They don't have any as fruit. Tom, as Tom does a search for Theodore Hesburgh. Mm-hmm. Ah, there you go. Right. They have a really nice JFK one. Mm-hmm. JFK again? Mm-hmm. Well, he would have been 100 years old if he wasn't assassinated. Uh, yeah, that's true. Well, it wouldn't matter whether he was assassinated or not. He'd be 100 years old. Yeah, I don't mm. think. <laughs> it was when he was born, <laughs> not when he died. Well, I, that's what I'm the saying. Stamp, he, he'd be 100 years old if he wasn't assassinated. That's as many JFK. There's a lot of JFK stamps out there, aren't there? Already? Oh, yeah. Not for not for the U.S. Yeah. Not for the U.S. Honestly, there's one. Yes, but I have, I have I think, a whole album full of him. Yeah. Yes. That I got in a, in a box collection. This very so much. This, this stamp makes. Yeah, I'm talking. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Touchy. Why aren't we touchy today? This makes it the most appropriate stamp ever. JFK forever. Mm-hmm. Oh. This uh, stamp also looks like quite a few other stamps that other countries have put out. I mean, it, it doesn't it's, It have uses any. an iconic photograph yeah. of him. And then we have uh, Mexican food, which is like, uh, seriously? Uh, uh, why did that happen? Tamales, flan, sancocho, sancocho. 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 Empanadas. Empanadas, chili rianos, ceviche. And uh, then they have... Ceviche. Yep, yep. Chili rianos. Chili rianos. Then then you have uh, a very, you, very... Did you actually say chili rolanos? Chili... I didn't say anything. I don't... <laughs> when, when I eat when I eat this stuff, what? when I have to, uh, you know, I'm feeling constipated, so I'll go and get some empanadas, and it'll clear right up. Well, that I, was too much information. I'm, I'm You're curious. so wrong there. I'm curious. I like I like this because they don't normally. Have I hate the designs, but I love Mexican food. So I yeah. I'm curious. They have six designs here for the Mexican food, and typically they either go with four, five, eight. 10 or 20 different designs yeah. and here they have six so i'm wondering if there are going to be more designs in that particular issue oh, to be revealed yeah also looking at i'll the get picture, the margarita there's a, stamp there's a gutter there <laughs> which kind of well it looks like it's it going to be uh, from from the looks of it it's going to be a, a booklet stamp yeah mm-hmm. but the question is okay then it's usually a, for booklet stamps it's either four or ten or twenty 
So, and by the way, just so you know, Theodore Hesburgh was a priest of the Congregation of the Holy Cross, and he was president of Notre Dame for 35 years. Ah. But he was doesn't say he was the founder of Notre Dame. Oh, okay. Mm. And so, what their uh, the uh, stamp worthiness? Did he do anything other than? Uh, he di- he a- died February 26, 2015. So, oh really? Last, last year. Oh, mm. that's a quick turnaround. 1917 to 2015. He was born, so he'd be 100 years old. He would be 100 years old, so, yeah. But he hadn't been dead more than about a year. Yeah. Then you have an additional ounce rate, which has a bunch of uh, colored heads wearing uh, red, white, and blue hats. You have have seashells. You have the non-machinable butterfly, which we spoke about at the last podcast. Uh, the and this is for you guys because you weren't in, uh, you didn't hear it yet. The greeting card companies have gotten together, and for large size uh, cards, birthday cards and stuff like that, if it shows a butterfly in the upper right hand corner, then you have to use a butterfly stamp. So this is. So that includes the first class postage and the non-machinable surcharge. Correct. I believe it's sixty-eight cents. Something like that. Yeah. And so uh, this is a big greeting card infiltrating into the business. And I I thought that was very, very interesting. I still think they ought to put the value on there, not the the words non-machinable surcharge. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think they ought to put the value on there. Well, mm-hmm. I'm running out well, of but, stamps. But see, yeah. they just don't but want see, the public qu- to know what they're paying for, right. or how much they're paying. Right. Well, but see, this stamp is confusing by its own right then, because it says non-machinable surcharge. So is it first class rate plus non-machinable surcharge, or is it just the non-machinable surcharge? Which one is it? No, it's both. And that's why... How does the stamp explain that by only saying non-machinable it, surcharge? It doesn't. And again, I think the whole idea is... When you get these greeting cards and you look it up in the upper right-hand corner and see a butterfly, you just put a butterfly stamp on it. And I, it, well, you know, kudos to the card industry for being able to take advantage of the post office. But I think this why, didn't, is why didn't they just come out with the first stamp to do that and just like print Hallmark across it? Right. <laughs> how? Yeah. How about you just print one and say sixty-eight cents? Because they don't want yeah. people to know they're paying 68 cents for their cars. Yeah. And then the last... But you, but you know, wait, you know, it says non-machinable but, and it is a butterfly. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you want to make it sound like it is a machine, you know what butterfly in German is? Schmetterling. <laughs> <laughs> makes, a butterf- makes a butterfly sound like a machine, doesn't it? It's a Schmetterling. Well, what was the... It was the blue-tailed butterfly. Mm-hmm. At Sescal, they had a uh, first day of issue uh, ceremony for, I believe it was the blue-tailed butterfly. Anyway, the last thing is, now this isn't a really impressive sight, but I just like the um, description. There's there's a website called Philatelic Atrocities, and it's a guy... Number one is the Dag Hammarskjöld. <laughs> <laughs> And I just thought that was a per- that was perfect for ending this uh, discussion on the, eh, you know, I can't fault them for all of the stamps. The the sharks I think is really good. I kind of like the love stamp. Uh, the flowers look nice. JFK looks good. 
you know, I'm going to give them fifty percent here. The WPA posters are are interesting. It's yeah. the thing that I I mean I don't overall like the designs, but I do kind of like the vintage look they went for with them. Yeah, yeah, I kind of like that. Uh, the shells. <laughs> shells are shells. Flowers are flowers. They're not. They're not well, they're this, not necessary. Yeah, mm. they're shells not are ne- shells. Flowers are flowers. They're Mexican nece- food is tasty. They're not, <laughs> they're not yeah. necessary, and they don't pertain to our national identity. Uh-uh. These things look like they were. The artwork comes straight from the eighties to me. It just. It looks like every other shell topical stamp mm. that you would get from every other country. No, these, yeah, that's, that's no, no, those the, would the, be better. These, these look more like paintings, not actual shells, and not very good ones. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, well, the shark, the sharks actually look like photos of sharks. Yeah, yeah. the sharks look really awesome. They got some really nice angles on those. Yeah, the shells are that drawn sort of look. I'm surprised that they're shells when you know there are so many fruits that haven't been on stamps yet. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> no. Now we got to get to nuts on stamps. We haven't so had we have any fruits of those. and nuts. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, the pistachio. Oh, one other thing. Oh, here we go. Hillary Clinton is at three. <laughs> Donald for Trump act- for you actually Donald receiving Trump, mail. Yeah, Donald Trump is at zero. Hillary Clinton is at three. I've received three letters from Hillary with stamps on them. I've I'm at a, I'm at about 150, but every one of them is a postcard that's bulk rate, pre-sorted, right. first mm-hmm. whatever, whatever, whatever. Right. Well, my mother gave me one and said, oh, here's one from uh, Donald Trump. And I go, doesn't count. Doesn't have a stamp. stamp. No stamp. Mm -hmm. Doesn't count. So Hillary three, Donald zero. And that's it for me. Oh, my God. Who the hell cares? And now more from Seskal. Got another one. Yep. Stamp. Sit down and get to work. Okay. Move over here. You want to be in front of the microphone? Not really. Uh, <laughs> okay, so give your name and what you're doing here at Sescal. Bill Jansen. I'm the youth coordinator for Sescal. And we're here in the youth area. And you had a couple, uh, you put in four exhibits in the stamp show from people. Tell us about those. Yes, I had, uh, I had ten children do exhibits and four of them were large enough to put in the room with the other exhibits and uh, they received some awards. They got a bronze award, one silver, a first place, and a second place. One of the kids got a silver? Yes. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, it's very good. I was I was happy. What, what was the exhibit on? That exhibit was on airplanes. Airplanes. Yes. Cool. And what did they go through? Give a little background of what you do first so that people know where we're coming from here. For, for the exhibits? Uh, no, for the whole Oh, the whole youth. thing? Okay, I have uh, an exercise I have the children do uh, with the Prexies, the presidential series from 1938. I have them hinge those on a page showing all the different stamps and while they're doing that I explain how to hinge, I explain about perforations, I explain about coils, I ask them why there is no 23rd, 23 cent stamp. And uh, Do you ask them who the first president of the United States is? No, but I explain that the, <laughs> the, uh, each, the value of each stamp is the number that the president right, was. Correct. I explained that to them. 
Well, it's a good way to remember if, if you're asked on a test who was the seventh president, you could remember. Let me out. Jackson. Don is in the back saying don't comment on it, so I won't comment on it. It's been done. It's been done. Many a time. <laughs> we, Many. Have, we have a uh, rolling, uh, it's not really a rolling joke, but it's a rolling See. opinion. It, it keeps coming back. Yeah, that uh, George Washington was indeed the 14th president of the United States. Through the Continental Congress. And my, in my opinion, the first one was John Hancock, because he's a, he was a president when they signed the Declaration <laughs> of, the, of Independence. Of the Continental, yeah. Yeah. The Continental Congress. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but keep going. The um, so. We take you take donations, stuff like that. How how yes. can people participate? We we have a worldwide listening audience here, and a lot of people really want to promote youth collecting. If they wanted to donate, they could send the uh, donations to the Philatelic Society of Los Angeles, which is on the internet. At they what, can look it what up. What address? I don't have the address. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Not oh, hold it. Uh, we have an address. We'll get it out quick. Quick, quick. Hurry, hurry. Where to go? The address is P.O. Box 2314, Culver City, California, 90231. And anything that a kid would enjoy. Did you give out any of these to the kids? The uh, new blue-tailed no. butterfly? No, I didn't get those. My brother went and made those for me. Ah. Uh, yeah. You were at the first day ceremony, right? You no. were taking pictures? First day of issue. I wasn't or, excuse there. Excuse me. Oh, you weren't. Yeah, I wasn't there. I was here. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, working. <laughs> you have anything to add, Joe? No, it's, there are a lot of clubs in the L.A. area that the kids can be involved with. We have one Long Beach Stamp Club that meets at Millican High School, and we have a show at Lobex and the Long Beach Convention Center that we give out a half-inch binder with uh, a country, a flag, and the stamps from that country and tell the parents that they take that and elaborate on it, they can take it to school and get extra credit for it. All the teachers have said they would to give them extra credit. Oh, excellent. Yeah, I used to go to the Long Beach Stamp Show all the time, or the Stamp Club. Uh, unfortunately, now it's a trek to get there, so. Yeah. But yeah. Um, anybody, so we have the Long Beach Stamp Club, and uh, what's the... Yeah, I have two stamp clubs. Oh, at local, local schools in La Pointe, at St. Louis of France and St. Martha's. My uh, home stomping territory used yeah, to live I heard up there. You, I heard you mention that. Yeah, yes. so with La Pointe or Long Beach. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. Well, the ones there are just for the kids in the school, so yeah. they have to go there. So how's the show been so far? Very good. good. We had a really big group of kids yesterday, and uh, they, they did a lot of things. They had a lot of things going on. Did, we get, uh, did you get um, the Boy Scouts coming in? No, not okay. this year. Oh, okay. Yeah, we've had them in past years, but not this year. Well, they have the merit badge, so right. you'll see them come in here like in groups of 15 or something like that. To oh, we have some today with a merit badge? No, I... Oh, you mean other times? Other times, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah I'm, I'm working with the head of the scouts in L.A. to set that up. Cool. Yeah. Any last-minute comments? Come on down. So, <laughs> Enjoy. Uh, always looking for donations for the youth. If you're in Long Beach or La Puente, join the stamp clubs and uh, 
thank you very much for being on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for episode 94. This has been Cash, Scott, Tom, and I'm your host, Dawn. You can reach us with your questions or comments at stampshowheretoday at gmail.com, Twitter at stampshowht, or leave a message on our Google voice number 1949-873-4298. You can also check out our website at stampshowheretoday.com or follow us on Facebook or watch us on YouTube. And as always, keep collecting. This episode of Stamp Show Here Today is brought to you by the Philatelic Book of Secrets, the book that teaches you about repurse, regums, color varieties, and much more. Get yours for $10 at www.philatelicsecrets.com today. Hi, this is Bob Prager with Gary Poser Incorporated. And we're in Long Island, New York, in New Jersey. And our philosophy at Gary Poser Incorporated is this. We would rather pay very fair prices on 9 out of 10 collections that we look at versus trying to just offer very low prices on 1 out of 2 and making a big score. That's never our philosophy. So if you want to be treated fairly, please give us a call anytime at 800-323-4279. And again, my name is Bob Prager.